Waking Wraith, written by Alexander Campbell, narrated by Alexander Campbell. The story so far. After waking from a coma, Katie remembers her dreams vividly. She dreamt of a land called Festavia, a place of parting and total escapism. There she completed a quest and learnt to believe in herself. But after she leaves the hospital, it dawns on her that she must confront why she ran there in the first place and why she took the overdose. Life resumes its full pace, hectic, manic and shrouded in sorrow. She returns to university lagging behind, failing her final year. There's just two months left. While she's putting the piece of her life back together, Festavia knocks on the door. It's not a dream, it's real, and it's her turn to return the favour. Soon she discovers that some people in Festavia are on Earth too and are unaware of their existence in both worlds. Wraith, her mentor, lives in a town, under a bridge next to the railway station. He's an ex-war veteran riddled with horrible thoughts. He's a shadow of the man she first met. There is a significant threat to Festavia. Lutz, a new wave madman, is vanishing all he finds, including Earthlings. Katie discovers that Earth and Festavia are connected. Earthlings who escape can no longer return. She has to find a way back. The way back is through the door she came, which is in the nightclub of a fatal accident. This presents a problem. She must hide in the club and cross over after hours. With the help of her friend, she manages to. There she finds Wraith guarding the ruined palace that he once protected, but he won't leave. Reunited with her old friends, Captain Cash, Lynx and Blue the Cat, they journey through Festaver looking for survivors. They soon discover that the festivals have been destroyed and there are only outcasts left. The outcasts are long forgotten, shunned and not wanted. They live on the wild coast of Festavia. They are its only hope. Chapter 10, Flashes Back, begins at the nightclub. Katie's meditating body has been disturbed. In a panic, she leaves Festavia and awakes sitting down at the top of the stairs outside the main dance room. Waking Wraith, Chapter 10, Flashes Back. In Astra's arms, she awoke to shrieks, screams and, Cut it out, Roger! Ah, finally, Astra said with relief. Then he stood above, marching on the spot. Let's go, he whispered. It was 4pm. They'd been there for 12 hours and the evening staff had arrived to set up. Waiting in the stairwell, they planned how to sneak out. The club was enormous. It had several rooms and thanks to recent government legislation, lots of fire doors too. They crept down the steps and waited on the last. Benny's heart pumped and Katie squeaked with laughter. Shh, Astride said. Peeking to their right, they could see at the back of the R&B room a fire exit. But on either side of the stairwell was two bars being restocked. They were trapped. Katie said, I haven't played this in ages. Played what? Benny asked frankly. Hide and seek. Then she crouched down and duck walked towards the exit. Kel, could you go upstairs and get the bourbon? It sold out last night. Really? It was student night. Yeah, they have some cash. More like credit cards. Kel lifted the hatch and walked towards the stairs. Benny froze. Ashrae gave Katie a piercing stare and mouthed, What now? Katie took off her shoe and threw it low across the room. It slammed into the DJ booth. What the hell? cried Kel. Is it a ghost? said the other, who was called Sasha. Go and check it out. Kel said, now you go. It's Roger, said Sasha. He's always messing with us. Let's go upstairs and find him. In two directions, the sound of heels headed towards the stairwell. At the first step, they stopped. Like a lorry passes a loose window pane. The wall shook and a voice not of earth bellowed from within. Tickets, please. Ah! They both shrieked. After a frantic scurrying, the screaming faded away. 
Running barefoot, Katie grabbed her shoe and shouted, Thanks, Dave. You're a legend. Come on, let's go. Benny appeared from the stairwell and stood quizzically peering back up. As Shride grabbed his hand and pulled him along, he shouted, The wall spoke! The dimming afternoon sun burst through the doors, stepping outside and breathing a sigh of relief as Shride slammed them shut. Katie's rapid breathing slowed to fits of laughter. Between gasps, she said, That was awesome! Benny shook his head. Around the kitchen table, they sipped herbal teas. As Shride's eyes twinkled and she said, I've got to write about this. Festavia's crazy, but such a laugh. I know, right, said Katie. That's why I didn't want to come back. Why did you? No, Athelin can stay. Besides, I'm not done here. Astride's lips curved up. What are you smirking up, Katie asked. You. Parties aren't your life now. Astride and Katie talked at pace that gave Benny a headache. The meditation at the club had charged them up. Benny hadn't slept the whole night. The club made strange noises and even apparitions appeared. Benny hypothesised it was just a magnetic, telepathic phenomenon. They didn't try to convince him. Katie concluded that the mission was to raise an army and fight Lutz. If they didn't, Earthlings would be trapped. Ashry said they should find Katie's original team. This saddened her. She dreaded to think of what had happened to them. Together they agreed to return that night, but Benny protested vehemently. He was exhausted. He had his first of his final exams the following week. Between them, they asked, Why did Katie turn into a bird? Can she arrive as a bird and turn into a human? If she can't turn into a bird, how does she travel long distances without blue? What is the time difference between Festavia and Earth? Katie checked her phone. Her face turned pale and she grumbled, Oh no, I've missed another study session and Dad's called me like a million times. She called Bradley and after one ring he picked up. She said, Hey, I'm really sorry. How was it? What? Your night out. I didn't have one. Come on, there's no need to lie. Steve saw you. I thought I'd really explain things. I know, I'm sorry, she said. At least message me so I can blag something to the others. Sorry, something popped up. We've a few weeks left. Just knock the nights out on the head. She pulled the phone away and placed it back. She said, I was out, but for another reason. You've been good to me, but I don't need to explain myself. I'll see you tomorrow on time. She put the phone down on the table. Benny smirked. He said, looks like you've got a boyfriend. She shuddered and said, no, he's just a friend. He's really helped me. Astride laughed and said, I think he's trying to save you. Katie said, I hope not. Otherwise, just like all the others, I don't need saving. I just want a friend. Lying on her bed, she played games on her phone. Between the flashing stars, falling pineapple and melons, she swiped her dad's messages away. When it asked for money for an extra life, she called him. He ran to the moan, but eventually mellowed and said, Daddy loves you, but I want to sleep at night. Keep your phone on and fully charged. She thought, God, it's only been a day and everyone's on my case. She heard the others go to bed. She couldn't sleep. So much was swirling in her head. Race tired image haunted her. She wanted to put him through a car wash and scrub him up to how he used to be. Sneaking downstairs, she trod carefully. The door was hard to close without a creak, but she managed it. The cold night's breeze cooled her brow. She set off in the direction of the railway bridge. The town was alive. Friday night at one in the morning was as busy as midday. Boisterous huddles of students paced on the paths and cars whizzed by. Under the bridge, she found a sleeping bag, folded and belongings tucked to the side. There was no sign of him. She ruffled through his things, looking for a clue. A man perched further down coughed and said, Oi, Columbo, 
He's gone to meet his candy man. She shouted, where's that? He pointed across the road to an alleyway next to the bridge. Thanks. And she crossed the road purposefully, her arms folded tightly, keeping the warmth in. The path trailed off into the darkness. To the left was a railway track, and to the right was common land, uncut bushes and scrub. There were buildings, but they were set further back behind a tall cross-wire fence. The roars of traffic faded and was replaced with odd crackling in the foliage. She hoped it wasn't rats. She thought, he can't be far. Cops aren't that bothered about junkie deals. The night was silent. She'd walked for five or so minutes when her senses tingled. She felt nervous. Her Dr. Martin's beat faster on the warm path. Ahead lay a fallen tree. Stepping around it, she heard a radio. Then she jumped back. Sitting down, concealed by the root, was a man smoking a pipe. He leered back up and flicked a lighter that glowed around his ringed, darkened eyes. They were lusting and filled with hate. Shit, she thought, and a familiar voice behind her said, Oi, bruv, she wants some candy. With no pause for thought, she ran. Their footsteps clattered behind her, breathing heavily. They wailed in excitement. Her heart pounded, and pinprick shot down deep to her gut. The men were fast, but their stamina was low. A gap widened, but then she waned too. The adrenaline cut out, her dad's voice echoed in her mind. Eat your cards, dear. A voice pumped with blood curdled. Come on, she stopped. Her head by her knees, she gasped there. What an idiot, she thought. What am I doing here? She squatted down, lower. The footsteps stopped and she heard an unbuckling of a belt. Then she sprung up and pushing from her legs, she delivered a palm stripe straight to his chin. His head whipped back and he fell. She attempted the same to the other, but he caught her wrist and pulled her in. His darkened eyes were once again upon her. She attended only one self-defence class and was out of tricks. He squeezed her wrist to the bone and she took a punt at his groin. But with his shin, he blocked it and said, I like a fight first. A gruff voice said from the darkness, let her be. Keeping hold of her wrist, he growled, she wants it. Ray's shaggy shadow appeared and said, we both know what you're up to. Let her go. Piss off. Let her go. Or what? You're not in the army now. You've still got it, soldier boy. Rafe said, I'd beat you just with an arm. He released her and rummaged through her pocket. From the side, Katie struck him with another palm strike. His cheek slapped, but he stayed rooted to the ground. He was unlike the other guy who was lying down, curdling and spit. Wraith gripped his lighter and struck between his dark, pulled eyes. He fell to his knees, but put one knee up. Wraith then toe-punted him in the stomach, and the man yelped and rolled to the floor. Wraith grabbed her arm and chimed, Time to go! Marching at a fast pace, Katie cried, Let's run! I can't. That took it out of me. From behind, an irregular pattern of footsteps echoed. She said urgently, They're coming! We must run! You run, he said. I'm not leaving you, she said. Footsteps behind grew louder. Her heart pounded and butterflies flapped in her stomach. Her mouth dropped. For straight in front of them, blocking their path, was a tall, dark shadow. Now they were indeed trapped. She tapped her jean pockets. She left her mobile at home. Before she could scream, Rafe said, About time. The figure in front replied, Yeah, yeah, man's busy. You got the money, though? The figure shone a light into her eyes. She squinted and exclaimed, Excuse me? Who's this? The figure said, Rafe looked at her and said, You? What the hell are you doing here? What do you mean? She said. Didn't you know it was me? No, I thought you were a poor girl caught by those idiots. You didn't recognise my voice? The figure said, You better not be ops. I ain't getting stung again. Rafe, 
This your girl or what? The figure's phone rang. He answered it on speaker. A deep voice echoed out. Oi, bruv, all cool, yeah? Yeah, yeah, just found him now. Hurry up, then. From the glow of the phone's scream, Katie saw the man's face and shrieked. Flash! The phone dropped and he said, How do you know me? He pulled a knife from his pocket. The phone's screen light shone up from the floor and flickered from its wide, long blade. The phone echoed up. Oi, bruv, what's going on? Flash pointed the knife to each of them and said calmly, If you're setting me up, you're both getting shanked. Wraith calmly answered, Take a closer look. She's still wet behind the ears. Feds wouldn't send the rookie. Before we could answer, the other men caught up. The strongest and the biggest stood next to her and said, Ta, bruv, and he grabbed her arm. Wiser this time, she slipped free before his grip tightened. Flash said, You owe me too, get your monies out. Katie said, You don't remember me, do you? He picked up his phone and shone its torch into her face. Tutting through his teeth, he said, I've had many girls. I'm not one of your girls, I'm your friend. You're mad. Wraith, money now, man's getting vexed. Wraith plunged his hand into his pocket, but Katie grabbed his wrist and said, He's giving you nothing until we're at the bridge. There was a pause and he said, Woman, don't piss me off. If I want it, I'll take it. But there's light down there. I ain't getting cut short this time. She knew he could have just used his light to check, but she thought, he's still a good guy. Flash turned his back and began walking. He shouted, Oi, wasteman, do one. The two men behind skulked off back into the darkness. Under a bright orange streetlight at the pass end, she took stock of him. A beanie wrapped his crown and a single pink dreadlock peeked from it. A dark puffer jacket hung from his broad shoulders and trailed down to his knees. Flash looked her up and down, raising the corner of his mouth, exposing a silver-capped tooth. He said, You're still fresh. I shouldn't say this as it will cost me, but go back to shopping and chatting. Skag ain't for you. I don't do skag, I'm at uni. He scowled at her. Oh, I get it. He's your homework, he laughed. How to get a junkie clean, she said. And my next piece will be how to get a criminal back into boxing. He shifted on the spot and said, looking deep into her eyes, I don't need to box, I'm a lion. I bet you want to. I bet you prefer that than this. Yo, Rafe, this girl's freaking me out. She's like a cat looking straight into my soul. Anyway, you owe me, pay up. Rafe shook his head and shrugged his shoulders and said, Man is broke. Ha, you funny now. Don't test me. Rafe said, I don't have it. I need a month. Ha, nah, bruv. You've got a day. And that's because I'm feeling charitable. I can't get a grand begging. Rob some houses, then. On the wrong side of the road, a dark black sports car drove up. The orange streetlight bounced off its silver alloys. Katie tutted. The window unwound and a voice barked. What you saying, girl? She didn't answer. Yeah, you best be quiet. Oi, Flash, all good, yeah? He answered, yeah, like usual, this man is broke. I'm giving him a day. The man said, bruv, it ain't Christmas. Slap him and move. Whack. Wraith collapsed to the floor. Katie rushed to his side and cried, you monster. From within the car, the voice shouted, oi, shut up or I'll slap you. Kneeling down, she scowled back. Flash walked around the car. As he opened the door, the voice said, your bruv, your stem's prepped. Sick. The door slammed and the engine roared off. Cradling his head, she watched him stir. He staggered to his feet. Katie, what are you doing? Didn't your parents tell you not to walk down dark alleys on your own? At one in the morning? Steadying him by holding his arm, she said, Wraith, you're better than this? This is no way to live. Mind your business. Don't you have studying to do? 
Yes, she said, but instead I'm here helping you off the floor. I don't need helping, it's me saving you. What are you thinking of, walking down there? The street ain't one of your students' safe places. It's a horrible cauldron of shit. The street still hummed with life. She wanted to talk more, but where? Eventually they settled in a bakery that opened at 3am. Hey Wraith, Corners Pastry, said a man from behind a glass counter, made in the 1980s. Thanks mate. What are you having love? Katie struggled to choose. She said, same as you? Two please Jack. Jack hurried back and forth from the kitchen, fetching buns and bread from the oven. Carrying a tray of pastries, he asked, You paying tonight, Wraith? Tonight, Jack, I am. Oh, you're in the money then? No, but stuff it. I've a friend to treat. Jack served them cornice pastries on paper plates with plastic forks. Katie said, This isn't good for the environment. The man chuckled and said, Students aren't good for it either. The amount of crap they dump on the street is amazing. But don't worry, social justice warrior. It all gets recycled. She said, how does caring for the environment equate to being a social justice warrior? You know what I mean. You students love all the battles and protests, but the battle you did lose was tuition fees. I'm glad I learned to bake. Wraith pulled a few coins out, but the man waggled his finger and said, your forces, you've done enough. I'm not anymore, mate, Jack answered. You always will be. Wraith uneasily accepted. Katie stared straight into his eyes and said, we've got a lot to talk about. The golden flakes of his passy tumbled from his beard and he answered humorously, They must accept anybody these days. You'd never pass a psych test. I'm not mad, Wraith. I'm just acutely aware. Anyway, is this where you bring all your lady friends? You're the first. The last woman I dined with was my wife. Are you still married? I guess so. I haven't seen her in a year. Why? She kicked me out. Well, I left before she could. There was a silence. Katie paused to think of her next move. She could see he was tense. His plastic fork was flexing. What's Flash doing, she said. Why is he a drug dealer? Ray stopped mashing his pasty and sat back in his seat. He drew a strand of his scraggly hair to the side and itched his beard. He said, you're an old one, aren't you? It's funny, though. I do feel like I know you. What are you, a spiritualist? Or are you one of those people that talk to the dead? (sighs) No, I don't even go to church. Well, except for weddings and... um, funerals. Well, that moron ain't a dealer. He's a dealer's lackey. He collects the dosh. She whispered to herself, why is he in Festavia? Ha, he said. That place again. He'll get there by smoking his stem. Stem, she asked. Crack pipe. Crack is what the little troll pays him. Katie laughed and said, troll, that's what he was, hiding away in his little cave. But Flash isn't bad, you know. He's like you, capable of great things. He laughed and said, In future, love, don't stand next to hot box cars. I'm serious. You're a noble warrior who is loyal and protective. Your heart is big and you're so driven. Flash has a massive character, larger than life. He can get respect from anyone he meets. He breaks boundaries like no other. He's tough and he isn't afraid to take chances. He's street, but underneath his hard shell, he's soft and lovable. You both have a lot in common. Halfway through a gulp of fizzy coke, he snorted brown froth all over the table. Ooh, grimacing. She covered her eyes. Sorry, love, but that's hilarious. I wish I had a phone and could have recorded that. Wraith, I mean it. You and Flash are good people. His expression changed. He frowned and said, Flash is a joke. He's just a meathead that's had his brain turned to mush. He's a waste of space, a criminal. 
He's best dead or in prison. Katie raised an eyebrow and said, Like I said, you have a lot in common. Rave sat up and looked at the counter. Jack, I'm leaving, he said. She reached over and put her hand over his. Don't run. I didn't mean it like that. Stay, please. I'm not running. Okay, maybe I was a bit rude. Look, we know each other now. Let's talk. What are you doing here like this? Well, I rescued you from an alley and now I'm treating you, he muttered. Today's youngins are so entitled. Come on, don't duck the question. Why are you on the streets? He sighed and said, you're a counsellor. I reckon some charity has sent you. Knock it off, she said. Okay, well, that's a simple question with a complex answer. The answer is, and I'm not ducking it, is I don't know. My whole life just fell apart. It used to be structured. I could tell the time up looking at a clock. Now I don't even know what day of the week it is. When I was discharged from the army, I was a mess. I still am, he laughed. She waited for him to continue. Not having an arm didn't help. I couldn't even be a labourer's lackey. Didn't you get benefits? Yeah. But I wanted to work. The missus hated me hanging around, festering up the house. Did you get out? I did. I'd go to the pub as soon as it opened. I'd be there until supper. Then I'd come back, eat and watch TV. Was that all you did? That's all I could do. I couldn't sleep or focus much. It was strange. I didn't want to talk to people. But I didn't want to be on my own. Why did you do drugs? Why not? Made me feel good. I'd be high all the time if I could. Why aren't you? Money and come downs. Well, mainly money. Most of my days are spent scheming a ways of getting it. Now you're off it. What do you do now? I ain't off it. I'm on meth. It's legal. But you know what? I still want the real deal. What's stopping you? I don't know. I don't care about life. It's over. But I feel there's something pushing me. It's funny. I quit just before you showed up. You're probably going to force me back on it. <laughs> she asked. Are you grieving for your friend that died recently? He twiddled his fork deep into the plate and sighed. His tough exterior softened and he said, He's just another on the list. I've lost many in the forces and the streets. People come and go. It's funny. Most things in life are predictable, but death isn't. That still shocks me. Katie nodded her head. A small tear rolled from her eye. She didn't even know it had until it splashed on the plate. She hoped he didn't see it. He said, My eyes are dodgy, but my hearing is like a destroyer sonar. Sitting up, his demeanour changed from sullen to pragmatic. She sat up too and dried her eyes. Staring at her intensely, he said, You've got pain. Sorry, yeah, your story's touching me. Nice try. You're hurting. I saw it in you straight away. I know I look a mess, but I can read people like a book. She laughed and said, Maybe, but only some pages. I think it's only fair if I ask, Who is it? Who did you lose? She said, My mum. He rested his hand on his chin and twiddled his beard and said, A girl shouldn't lose her mum. I'm sorry, love. I still have my dad. I bet he's a great man. Why? It'd have to be to have raised a good girl like you from a young age without any help whilst managing his own pain. That takes balls. This time she couldn't stop the tears. He passed her a napkin. She said, I guess it does. He loved her very much. I guess now you get double your share. Wiping her tears, she laughed. Well, in moments, he's so busy with his business. I won't hear from him. Then all of a sudden he's on my case. How did you know my mum died when I was young? Your wound ain't a cut. It's a scar. She pulled her phone out and checked the time. She said, 
It's late. Yes, it is. I'll walk you back. On the way, he lost his hunched, sun-fearing posture and found a sprightly, ponderous form. He walked like an eager young commuter, excited about what the day may bring. He talked fast and changed the topic without warning. Reaching the door, she looked into his eyes. They glowed back. She smiled and said, You're quite the chatterbox when you get going. Standing outside, looking up at the sky, which was turning brighter, he chirped, I'm a morning person. Didn't used to be. Before the army, I only see the sun when it's directly above me. Probably like you now. <laughs> anyway, love, get some rest and come and see me soon. Thank you for listening to Waking Wraith. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok under Festavia. Also, if you want to make a donation, you can buy our book called Festavia on Amazon. Stay tuned for Chapter 11, which will be out very soon.